So, this is Foxborough Files, New England Patriots podcast hosted by obsessive Pats fans with no football background. I'm your host, Zach Lacey, filling in for DR because he's a bum, alongside Mike Ayula and fixing a talk star, Ryan Brown. How we doing, boys? I'm doing good. Good to be back right. on Foxborough Files and good to see Foxborough Files back. It's been a while. <laughs> been a minute. So good to be back. <laughs> it has been quite a minute, but uh, happy to be back. You know, long layoff is finally over. Um, you know, we're, we're, I guess we should rebrand to We Are an Off-Season Patriots podcast <laughs> because we really didn't record at all during the regular season. But, uh, you know, the off-season's here. A uh, lot of changes in tow for this team and uh, looking forward to talking about it. Definitely. So, Overall, Pats finish 10 and 7, uh, get absolutely trounced by the Bills in the first round of the playoffs. Overall, as a season, how do you guys feel about the Pats? I, I would say if we're talking about, like, expectations, I think they met expectations in a roundabout way. Uh I didn't think right off the bat that they would turn right to Mac Jones week one, day one, but that's what they did. And at first it kind of looked like there were some growing pains. And then there was the, the stretch where they won seven in a row and they looked like they, the whole team, including Mac had put it together. And then the, the stretch run happened. And that was punctuated by said playoff dismantling. So uh, overall, I I would say they met expectations and the fact that they were able to get to the playoff back to the playoffs in Mac Jones rookie season is a good sign for the future. Yeah, you know, the whole expectations thing is relative because if if you had asked me this question going into the bye, I would have said this is like the worst possible outcome that could have happened. Um, If you asked me this question at the beginning of the season, I would have said, yeah, this is probably their ceiling with Mac Jones. So, like, relative to where they started, yeah, this is probably their ceiling. But, you know, coming off of what had happened going into the bye, winning seven in a row, and then to kind of just crap the bed the rest of the way, is it was a little disappointing to see that be the end result. I'd I'd be lying if I said otherwise. But bigger picture scale, Max seems like the answer QB. They had a good season to build off of. The Bills still own them, which is a concern. But – overall good first step to the post Tom Brady era. Definitely. Um, yeah. Like you guys said, there's three distinct parts of the season beginning, then the the seven and O run. And then after the bye, uh, where they just didn't look like the same team at all. Uh, I was very, very excited about the, ru- about the running game. Obviously cam ran a lot last year. And so that boosted the running numbers a lot, but Damian Harris and Mondre, look like a formidable one-two combo for a long time to come, at least until Damien's uh, rookie contract comes up and then we'll just trade him. But we don't need to talk about that for now. But they look really good together. Um, relative to expectations, you know, it's a sad way to end the season, just just not even being competitive in that game. Um, and that in, in a game where Mac needed to throw a ton, I think it exposed him a little bit and that he 
that's not going to be his game to go out there and Mahomes and Josh Allen it and just chuck the ball over the field. He's going to be much more of a game manager, at least at this point. Um, but I, I like Mac a lot. I'm really excited to see what they do this off season. Um, and Mac is the quarterback of the future for me. I don't, I don't see any way he's not the guy for the like, next 10 years at least. Oh, I, I definitely think based off of this year, you're all in on him. And the fact that you gave him the vote of confidence right from day one uh, should, should say that right away. I don't think there's anyone in this draft class that you would, you would move up to try and take. You didn't move up last year to take anyone. And that was a far better quarterback class than the one that's coming up. Right. So um, I, I definitely think you're rolling with Mac here for the next several years. I think unless something crazy happens, uh, th- we're all in on Mac. And I think there's a lot of hope and a lot of things to be excited for. Um, but there will be growing pains like for the next couple of years, like we saw at times in his rookie year. There, there were times when the team fell behind and he just looked overwhelmed in trying to have to get the team back into the game. And there were other times where he was completely comfortable in those same situations. So just more consistency from him. Uh, as he grows is uh, one thing I'll be looking for, but rookie season 10 and seven playoff berth. I, I, I really can't complain from what I saw from Mac Jones this year. I mean, you got to think going yeah, back to Alabama, say- he does, he hasn't really, doesn't really play from behind. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's true. They, they just win all the time. So he, he's not used to having to gunsling it and be from behind and just chucking it all over the yard. Um, obviously they had Devonte Smith and Jalen Waddle and stuff. So he had a lot of, really good options just to be able to just chuck it all around if he wanted to and let them go make plays. Uh, but we yeah. got to talk about his, the only thing that I'm really concerned about Mac is that he sucks at dodgeball. He's yeah, so I, bad at dodgeball. First one out. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's well, I mean, you know, he's not really mobile either. And I think that's part of the game. So I, I, I mean, it kind of confirmed what we already knew. He's a pocket passer. <laughs> yeah that's that's not what you like to see but uh you know there 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 is a reason he was an alternate selection to the pro bowl yeah a little surprised he actually made the pro bowl anyways lamar would have won that people forget but you know mac not lamar or sam darnold for that matter sam darnold would have arrived in that situation sam darnold sam darnold sam darnold Ah. sam darnold but uh, going back to Mac Jones, what do you guys think his overall ceiling is as a quarterback? End of his career, what's his overall ceiling? Well, let's 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 take this in a in a grain of salt, right? He's a game managing QB. He can get you to the playoffs. He's probably at what he is physically. He's always going to need a good team around him to get you to the playoffs. You're probably never winning less than six games with him. I know where you're going with this, Mike. I know where you're going with this, Mike. More than 12 games with him, uh, unless you have like a ridiculously stacked team. Um, You know, you could see someone like maybe Stefan Diggs having uh, a miracle or something like that type catch for him. Uh, You know, point here being he is quite literally Kirk Cousins. His floor is bad Kirk Cousins and his ceiling is good Kirk Cousins. He is just a 
slightly smarter version of Kirk Cousins. That is what Mac Jones is. I, I don't think he is like the next Tom Brady or some otherworldly freak at QB. He, he is mm-hmm. what he is. Like his, physically speaking, he's not going to change as a player. Um, and there's nothing wrong with having Kirk Cousins as a QB, contrary to what some people would tell you. It's, it's actually perfectly acceptable to have someone like that as your starting quarterback. It's more common than not in the NFL to have someone of that caliber starting a QB. That's not where I thought you were going. I rescind my statement. I <laughs> totally thought you were going to make a Jimmy G comparison, and I was super excited Ooh. to shit on it. But No, Jim, uh, Jimmy G. Jimmy G's a trash can. I hate him. I think he's a complete waste <laughs> at the quarterback position. Thank and you. I will never compare Mac to that uh, due to Thank you. quarterback. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I, I'll, I'll give him a little bit uh, higher of ceiling in terms of both playing and legacy. I think he could be a big Ben without the offseason nonsense and constant walking boot scenes. Um I, I think that he's a guy that he's shown that he's durable. He can, he's like deceptively like elusive in the pocket. You know, he can work his way around. He's not going to scramble for 20 yards at a time, but I, he, he might get you a scramble for a first down if, if you lose track of him and, and he takes advantage of it. Um, but I also think that he's a guy that can do this for a very long time. And the fact that we didn't hear a single, I don't think we heard a single injury issue from him this year bodes very well. I like that. And he, he picked up the uh, Bill Belichick offense pretty quickly. And the fact that he finished 13th in passing yards and 16th in QBR puts him in the top half of the league in both those categories. So that's it. That's where we're starting at. So realistically, maybe, maybe he has a sophomore slump next year and he, he, you know, it takes him another year or two to really take the next step. But realistically, he should be on a upward trajectory, which means, I mean, it shouldn't be too much longer before he's, I don't want to say tier two or tier three or however you want to quantify it, but I mean, he should be able to be a top 10 quarterback here pretty quickly, just statistically. I don't, not saying that he is a top 10 quarterback talent wise or that he will be in short order, but I think he can get there in a fairly short order statistically. And that's, that bodes well. And if, if, if you stretch that out over a lengthy career, maybe he, he, He's he gets to a Super Bowl, maybe he wins one. Uh, but I think that's a that's something that if he sticks around with the Patriots for his tenure, I I could totally see a Big Ben esque career out of him. Yeah, uh, B, Big Ben was the exact guy that I was gonna go with. I think, <laughs> oh no! Oh, I think I think two Super Bowls guy is a is a relatively good. Um, assumption that he especially it depends on how long Belichick lasts around but anytime you have a team coached by Bill Belichick your team is gonna be solid he was even solid with bum ass Cam Newton so I don't I don't think he will finish his career with zero as long as he has Belichick for a significant portion of his career and at this point I don't I don't really see Belichick going anywhere for now uh, we do have a surprise 
surprise guest joining the show. Uh, Daddy Danny, can you can you hear us? I stepped away from my drinking to, to come say that Mac Jones is the GOAT. Mac Jones, Mac Jones is the GOAT. So you are, his ceiling is Tom Brady? No. Okay, well, what no, is Mac Jones' ceiling say. for you? Mac Jones Daddy. is very good. The future is bright. Um, I'm so happy that I'm here because Ryan looks like he is so upset that I just crashed the pod, my own pod. Um, Mac Jones is, is he's big Mac daddy and I'm daddy Danny. And that's all you need to know. Ryan's not upset. You're here. DR Ryan's just upset because it's a reminder that you canceled the beer punk tournament the last time he was home with the boys. And now he has to, yeah, you know, that was, deal, deal with you that was not the beer punk tournament. Let, let that go for the record. The Bruh. winter trip beer punk tournament. So a fake, a fake beer punk tournament. Uh, mid-season. It was an all-star beer punk tournament. It was, it was a, it was a practice. It was a practice punk tournament. Practy. What? Uh, are you guys happy with Matt Jones? Are there any hot takes here? Give me the hot take rundown. What a hot? Just a general hot take, or one on Mac in particular? I'm just, I'm just catching up to speed here. I got, I got a little bit, and then, uh, and then, then I'll leave you. But until now, I'm, I'm drinking wine. I'm good. Sheesh. Well, my biggest my biggest hot take with him is that he spent all this money on that bum Johnny Smith, and he did absolutely nothing the whole season. Um, you got these great tight ends, and you had a great tight ends in the past. Obviously, Gronk and Hernandez are different breed, but they were able to use those guys in such special ways and do, do so many different things with them. And it seemed like they got a bit complacent with the tight ends this year. I know Hunter Henry caught a lot of touchdowns, but outside of the red zone, those two guys were virtually non-existent. Um, and I think using them in the future will be very key for Max uh, development and being able to open up outside down the field throws, getting those guys over the middle. But Janu is, I, I don't know what they saw in him, probably the worst signing they had all year. Yeah, uh, Janu, disappointed. Go ahead, I, I, I liked the Titan, John. I like the Titan John. I think a lot of people like the Titan John. Something didn't translate. I've seen some running after catch stats that say that Johnu was sneaky good, but hey, I watched the game and he was not good. He was he was very bad. Did not fit the offense this year. I don't know if that's a him problem. I don't know if that's a system problem. I don't know if I don't know if he just stinks. But um, regardless, Ryan will probably get his jersey because Ryan loves to get awful people's jerseys, aka Cam Newton. Jeez. Wow, he's coming in firing. <laughs> this kid is this kid is not messing around tonight. Good lord! I mean, you I know just... it's it's not my pod, so I'll let him get his shots in. It's it's only right. <laughs> I mean, Cam Cam's been been like myself, washed for a little bit of time now. But uh, the point is uh, with Janu, I don't think it was necessarily that he's a bad player. I think it was. A, a transition for him where, where in Tennessee, he was tight end one. There was no question about it. And he came in to the new England and all of a sudden it's, well, I think Hunter Henry's tight end one. Maybe you can push him for that, but you're probably tight end two. And he didn't seem to really fit into that tight end two mold for, and really just seemed comfortable 
in that backup or second tight end role. Uh, and you kind of just saw that. I'm not saying he looked checked out or anything, but he, he just didn't seem because he wasn't the focal point of like that of the tight end group. It seemed like it just wasn't there. I, I don't know if that's if that's what it, it just amounts to, or if it's just a, like you said, just a bad fit with the Patriots. But something something didn't click, like you said, and uh, I, I just hope it was him just getting used to not being the go-to tight end option and not being the, the certified tight end. I don't know. Hey, look, I'll, I'll be the first one to say it. This offseason and going into the training camp and preseason for next year, I think Asiasi can push for, for a starting role. I mean, this team, I think, brought in those guys to have a two-headed tight end monster. John is not a lock to be a starter at, at any reasonable uh, he, he can lose his job straight up. And I think that those guys can take it. I think that's going to be a sneaky storyline. People are going to talk about the wide receivers, but people should be talking about what's going to happen at tight end because Hunter Henry, as much as of a red zone threat he is, he's not like a, a stud franchise tight end by any means. And I think that other guys can can push for, uh, for snaps. Yeah. Um, not sure how I feel about Asiasi being a, uh, in an, I don't know, important role. Um, I'm not that high on him at this point. I kind of think he, we've seen what he is. I'm not really sure that he's ever going to be more than that. Um, but Jonu definitely did disappoint. Uh, not what you wanted. I thought he was going to be tight end one. He wasn't, not even close. Uh, pretty atrocious in the receiving game. Some some NK level bad out there, which is impressive. Um but, you know, it's year one. Maybe he was just adjusting. And the new system could have been affecting him or whatever. And you just hope that he is better in the coming years. However, uh, he was not the only uh, bad signing of last offseason. Uh, I feel like everybody else has kind of pointed him out enough. Um, there were some other guys who weren't very good. You know, like, like Zach's boy, Nelson Aguilar, you know, who was deemed to be a really good signing. And, and uh, well, you know, I wasn't a fan of that from the beginning. And Let's just say he kind of disappointed. He couldn't even he, he couldn't even really establish himself as as a good wide receiver at three in this offense. He he never really got going. He was he was just kind of a body. Like the one play he made was in the Falcons game on Thursday night where he scored like I think it was their only touchdown of the game. Like like that's my only memory of him from from this past season. Other than that, I don't really know that he did much else, which is relatively disappointing for a guy who they were paying seven million dollars less that I projected to be paying $15 million to this coming season. So for a supposed deep threat, quality wide receiver three, making that much money, not really a good signing there either. Him, him and John, who I would say were both big disappointments. Yeah. Man, I wish I hitched my wagon to Kendrick Bourne instead of Nelson Aguilar. <laughs> that, was, that one hurts. Yeah, he, he yeah. sucked. Yeah. He, uh, I don't know who was worse, him or Enkeel. Um, I mean, I'm gonna jump right uh, in because because the alcohol was calling, and this will be my my last take before I leave you guys to run my own pod because I'm a fraud. Your pod? This is our pod, sir. Fendi. I mean, it's really Zach and pod. Jesus, nah. Nah. All right, last take. Go. <laughs> Nelson Aguilar. I mean, he's terrible. I mean, he might be worse than Mike is at Fortnite, which he's playing right now. Currently this playing this was established before you got on the call. Late. Well, I just need, I feel like it needs bringing up again. 
Nelson Aguilar trash. Kendrick Bourne, sneaky, might be really good. Um, some of the plays he made were were highlight level. Um, but uh, you know, I'll leave you guys to, to discuss the, the Patriots. Um, disappointing, maybe uh, maybe exciting season, whatever uh, wherever you guys fall on the fence. Ryan, thanks for thanks for joining. Zach, thanks for uh, filling in for my um, alcoholic ass. Uh, and Mike, if you don't catch a dub, you're not invited back to the Box Bar Boss podcast. <laughs> Shit. All right. Well, now I got to go catch a dub. <laughs> All right. Peace, fellas. Bye, Drinky. Enjoy. Thank you. Enjoy alcohol. Later. I will. I love alcohol. I enjoy it very much. <laughs> oh, we know. <laughs> Thank you for nothing, Drinky. <laughs> okay. But uh, there, there are some points that we can, we can pull. So, Agalor. Yes, the numbers are very disappointing for the amount of money that was shelled out to him. But I also, I don't think it was entirely on him. I think it was on McDaniels and the, the whole play calling. They did not open. They were not opening up the playbook for Mac for several weeks. And they rarely ever took down the field shots. Why would you? So I don't know what the plan was when you brought in Nelson Aguilar. I don't know if that was just, Hey, he's one of the top wide receivers available in the free agents. Let's bring him in and just see what happens. Or if there was some sort of plan, but if there was a plan, it didn't ever materialize because they took no downfield shots uh, pretty much all season. And that's literally Nelson Aguilar's game, just a vertical threat who stretches the field downfield. And they just focused on short to intermediate throws. So I, I don't know if they just signed him to be a $7, 15000000 million decoy, but I, I don't know. That, that's, that is a puzzling signing, but I don't think it's necessarily on Aguilar's fault. I think it's just on the game script and play calling. Yeah, uh, I don't know about that one. Um, well, I mean, to an extent, yes. No, you To an extent, you are right. It is... Definitely a little bit on the play calling as he is more of a deep threat wide receiver and they didn't exercise the deep routes um, during the regular season. But it's not like he he showed much else. Okay, true. So but if you're not going to utilize him as anything other than a deep threat and you're not planning on being a deep threat offense and you're not planning on a building an offense that works around taking shots downfield why bring him in and why spend all that money on him that's what i don't get that is a yeah good no, question, it seems right? like kind of a waste to just to not even uh bother giving him the ball give him a, ch- a chance uh and it wasn't like mac didn't throw the ball deep at uh alabama either so no, so I, I, I'm not sure why they kind of they didn't open up the playbook or at least attempt more downfield options as the season went on. It felt like you'd see one here and one there, and but it just seemed so few and far between that even the ones that they did attempt just didn't feel like any didn't feel like they did it often enough to make a difference. Yeah, I felt like they yeah. never wanted to let Mac 
like there'd be a chance that Mac gets behind the chains. It, exactly. Exactly. It, it was, it felt, it felt like almost over game management by McDaniels uh, and Belichick where they were being overprotective of him. Um, so that's, that's something that we'll have to watch next year and see if that trend continues. Cause if they're not going to let him take chances down the field, like just because they're afraid of what, like something like Micah Hyde might come out of nowhere and make a miraculous <laughs> pick that throws off a drive. Like the, you gotta be able to take some chances. You can't be overprotective. And if you're just gonna just run the ball and, and, and just work some intermediate play action and short dump offs and screens, like you're, you're not really setting yourself up for long-term success unless your running attack is so over the top that, people have to stack the box and then you can just hit them with the intermediate stuff and turn those into chunk plays after the catch. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I, I'm hoping they open things up and take some more chances down the field next year. Well, McDaniels is gone. McDaniels. God bless. McDaniels is gone <laughs> off to, off to Las Vegas. Um, so they're looking for a new OC. Now a couple guys been mentioned. <laughs> Adam Gase, <laughs> formerly oh of the Jets. Uh, no. Yeah, I was talking. Yeah, that's, and uh, Billy and Billy that. O'Brien were the reunion being rumored. Um, you guys Great. have. Would you guys like either of those two options, or uh, hopefully they find somebody else? Um, uh, Bill, Billy O. I actually would like to see brought in. He, he worked at Bama last year. He's familiar with the Pats. He, he is a good offensive play caller. Um, I, I think he could be a good guy for Mac. I, I genuinely do like the potential of that hire. He just wasn't a good head coach. I think the narrative on him is a little bit – it's soured because of how poor of a job he did as a head coach. But he was a good play caller. People forget that. And you can say it was Tom Brady, but Tom Brady's made a lot of people look good at calling plays over the years. So I wouldn't necessarily – you know, Doc Billio for that. I'd like to see him get another chance. As for Adam Gase, if he is hired as the offensive coordinator, I'd I'd like to buy a ticket to Los Angeles just to jump into the um, moving traffic on the LA freeway because that is just a horrible fucking idea. Um, it, what just the terrible. mass mass pike's not good enough for you? <laughs> no, no. Honestly, I, I I think I need to go to the freeway because that is that is how bad it would be. I Adam Gase is awful. I want nothing to do with him. Well. I agree on the Adam Gase slander, although not necessarily to that degree of willing to jump in front of highway traffic rather than have him be my OC for the Patriots. But I do agree with Bill O'Brien. I would like to see, I could, well, I'd be more than fine with him being uh, the, the new OC replacing McDaniels. And honestly, I don't hate anyone that has spent time as Nick Saban's offensive coordinator coming in. It seems like Nick Saban kind of uh, it's rinse, you know, whatever that saying is, where it wash, wash rinse, rinse repeat. Yeah, and with OCs, former college co- head coaches or former NFL coaches needing to land on their feet. Saban picks them up, puts them in a spot, and gets them back to a position where they can go get a second chance. And so like 
if you, if you want to do that for Bill O'Brien, I'm on board with that. I also wouldn't hate like a guy like Lane Kiffin. I, I know that seems like a stretch, but he's got plenty of experience uh, as a play caller. And that's a, that's a name that I trust. It, I know. I don't think he's uh, going anywhere. I think he's locked in at college, but you know, that's the type of, of names that I'm thinking of guys that have been through a very successful pro system in college or uh, other systems that have, that have been successful in the NFL that are similar to what the Patriots are trying to do. Those are the type of guys that I would be trying to look at. Interesting. You mentioned uh, Nick Saban because Adam Gase actually worked for Nick Saban at one point. He was uh, when Nick Saban was at LSU. Uh, he was ah, see, that assistant. was that was LS, that was LSU. Nick Saban. I'm talking hey, he about won a title. Alabama. He did, he did. But Adam Gase on the Jets has ruined any sort of image. Oh, and you. I would need to see him go back to Alabama, Nick Saban. Yeah, and have the same sort of success that his pre- his would be predecessors have had uh, in that role with similar type of talent before I'm like, okay, maybe it's just a New York jets organization thing. And it's not totally completely him. Yeah. No, I mean, Adam Gase is clinging to, he was the the OC in Denver, uh, during Peyton's big year when he had a the touchdown record and all that shit. Um, yeah. but a- after that one year, he went to Chicago, they were trash. And then Miami, they, they had one good season, but the offense was always trash. Same thing with the Jets. And he was calling plays the whole time he was a head coach. So, no, do I want Adam Gase? No. Um, Bill O'Brien, I could absolutely see that. He already knows the system. Um, come in easily and bring even some of that Nick Saban stuff from, from Alabama that Mac knows as well. Um, so, you know. Bill O'Brien is probably is probably my lead candidate. I honestly I couldn't tell you pr- probably another few names outside of that. I like the Lane Kiffin thing because I know his name, but <laughs> outside of that, I mean, you try to ask me about OCs, uh, it's going to be a tough one for me. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. That's uh, I, I felt I had to add one sort of <laughs> random name that wasn't going to be in the conversation whatsoever, but that could be a theoretical fit. Uh, but well, that's uh, why we bring you around. <laughs> and you do the research, and you you make us look good. Well, we all know it's crucial to capitalize on those first five years when the quarterback rookie quarterbacks are under team control for short money. Uh, the Pats don't have a ton of cap space this, space this off season. Looks like around just like seven million, which is not great. But they spent a shit ton of money last season. What can they do this offseason, do you guys think, to help Mac Jones move forward in this league? Um, well, there's a lot they can do, but I think given the financial capital they have, the draft capital and where the team stands, the best thing they can do for Mac Jones is to build a better defense because that's what got them out, knocked out of the postseason given the offense didn't play great. But they got fucking killed by Buffalo. I mean, what was it, like seven touchdown drives in that game? Yeah, it was seven for seven. It, it, seven. Seven for seven. Like, they couldn't, they couldn't stop anything. So the best thing they can do 
is build him better support. And that starts with re-signing J.C. Jackson. They traded Gilmore. They made their bed. They basically said, okay, we're all in on Jackson. Well, you let him go. Your number one corner is Green Goblin Jalen Mills, who we didn't talk about earlier um, because he wasn't particularly good either. He just didn't happen to be as bad as the other two. He's not, he wasn't even a good number two corner. If that's your number one, Stefan Diggs might have a 200-yard receiving game next season in, in Foxborough. Like, they have to go out and get Jackson back. And then after that, they need to look at the linebacker position because Hightower really started to show his age after the year away. Inside linebacker, they're not getting any younger there. I know DR has his, his guy Harvey Lange and everything, and they're really high on Cameron McGrown. But, like, let's be real. Those guys are nothing more than backups that are to give the sports talking heads in the city something to talk about and to make fun of for the Patriots saying that they believe in those guys. They need a legitimate top-end talent, young inside linebacker out of the first round, a.k.a. Nicobe Dean out of Georgia. The guy hits like a motherfucker. He's fast as hell. He, he, he moves well around the ball, and he would be perfect for this Patriots defense to take over as the heir apparent to Dante Hightower. Starting with – and that's assuming that he falls to where they are at in the draft. I would even go so far as to say they might trade up for him because the two times Belichick has notably traded up in the first round before Gerard Mayo and Dante Hightower, the middle linebackers who, who were to take over in the middle of the defense. So I think that uh, Dean can be that guy, and I think that that would be a wise decision for them to make because the D-line looks pretty good, but the linebackers and um, safety or the linebackers and the corners look like they could use some work. So making those two steps would go a long way towards solving the defensive issues, and that would help Mac stay out in front, which, as Zach pointed out earlier, is where Mac thrives when he has the lead. Yeah, I, I would agree. Definitely got to re-sign J.C. Jackson, or at the very least, tag him with the franchise tag. Uh, I better not see Donta Hightower back in a Patriots uniform unless it is for the veterans' minimum and a reduced role. I have been saying this for years, but as valuable as he is as a play caller and a leader on defense, he does not have the mobility and on-field talent to merit being on the field like 90% of the time. He's he. I have been saying this for years. He is a turtle. He literally can only... He, he, if he runs, he can only run one direction. He cannot cover anyone in man-to-man if he gets stuck in that. In a zone, he's just sitting in one spot and running in one direction, and that is it. So basically, you're, if you bring him back, you're just bringing him back to be a pass rusher and a run stuffer, and you're play calling. And if that's what you want to do, that's fine, but that's not worth $9 million or whatever uh, he, he was getting paid per year in base salary. I don't think – I think you've got to – no offense, and I don't think he'll take it, but you've got to ask him to take uh, a significant pay cut because, you like you said, Mike, they need to get younger at linebacker, and they need to do quick, really. Because when uh, Joe uh, – what is it? Bentley? Jawan Bentley mm-hmm. is your leading tackler? What? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's not good. That's not good. That's not good. That's that's a guy you pulled from your practice squad a couple of years ago. And okay, he had 102 tackles this year. That's great, but he can't he can't cover anyone either. And he doesn't get to the quarterback hardly ever. So he's not exactly a pass rusher threat either. So 
he's just a guy that just uh, attacks the ball and, and brings the ball carrier down. Like you can, you can do that with anyone. So they need to get more playmakers in, at the linebacker core. And if you got to go through the draft, do it. So be it. Um, and you got to find more death at corner. I really, uh, I'm with you there on that one too, Mike. They, uh, especially if they let JC Jackson go, they've got nobody at corner and that'll need a massive overhaul. And like Zach said, you don't exactly have a ton of money to do that. So, uh, I, I, I don't know how you go about it, but they might have to invest a lot in the draft at linebacker and corner. And then maybe you, you get one big splash in free agency for offense. If you're lucky. Yeah, I mean, every, everything you guys are saying. I mean, there's not much more you can really add um, to the offense uh, with the contracts that they put out last year. So building through the defense, I mean, you saw what Micah Parsons getting drafted to Dallas did for their defense. You get that playmaker guy in the middle that's going to run everything for your defense, and it just changes everything. So I love the the guy out of Georgia that Mike is talking about. Um, I think that'd be a great pick if he's, if he slides down to them in the first round. Um, and yeah, JC, I mean, he, he just picks off everything. I don't And Jalen Mills sucks. The rest of the yeah. team sucks yeah. there, but uh, McCordy's starting to show his age too. Luckily they got Adrian Phillips. Who's been amazing back there. Um, to help out, but some of the core guys back back on this defense from Super Bowls past, it's time to start moving on, and they got to start finding these guys through the draft or through wherever the hell Bill finds these guys. Get down to Rutgers and find me another McCordy. I don't know. <laughs> they, I mean, son, one of their sons got to be coming through by now. <laughs> that that would be nice. But I mean, we haven't even talked about Matthew Judon. I mean. He had a stellar, uh, we'll call it 13, 14 weeks uh, going into the bye. And then I guess he was, he may or may not have been dinged up playing through an injury. I think some sore ribs, Uh, but he he just was a complete afterthought after the bye, just no sacks, barely getting to the quarterback, if at all. I think think he had like one pressure after, after the bye. Yeah. He at one point he was on a snap count like they were very much uh, uh, limiting him. Uh, but before that, I mean, for 14 weeks, that man was a dog. Mm-hmm. 12 and a half sacks. I, that was literally top 10 in the league. I think he finished tied for 10th in sacks in the league. Like that is very good for a, that's. A, and yes, he flamed out at the end. But like if if he could have stayed healthy, I mean. Who's to say he doesn't get to 15 and finish top five in the league in sacks? Like, uh, I think this is a very good signing, and I think they should definitely make sh- sure he is a focal point of the defense. Uh, I think it's unfortunate that he the, the his season ended the way it did, but that's a playmaker off the edge that you can build around. Uh, you just need somebody uh, else. You need to, like, I, I hate to kind of repeat myself, but they – you need to kind of add a, a tag team partner to him, whether it's uh, another outside linebacker r- rushing off the edge or uh, another just uh, uh, an inside linebacker to replace Dante Hightower. 
that just brings more youth ball hawking uh, ability and explosiveness. Uh, but they they have something in Matthew Judon that they can at least build around. I will say that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think they have something big in Barmore too. Uh, he looked really good yeah. this year. Him on the inside, uh, along with Godshaw, those those two plus yeah. Judon, that's a pretty damn good line to start out with. Um, so I look for Barmore to make an even bigger leap next year, the sophomore season. Yeah, Barmore was a fantastic selection. That that moving up eight spots to get him really changed the dynamic of their defense. He was absolutely stellar in that uh, second defensive tackle role. And the Godshaw signing, really good. He, he filled that that role well next to him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, every every great team can get to the quarterback with four guys. The Pats seem to have three of those in place. The, the three guys you just mentioned, the question is, who will be the fourth? They tried to have it be KVN this year, um, but he didn't look as good as he did uh, before he left for the Dolphins. I can kind of – he was good, but I can kind of see why the Dolphins cut him and didn't want to pay him $13 million a year anymore. Uh, they tried to bring back Jamie Collins, who definitely didn't look as good as he used to look. He looks like completely washed at this point. So I don't know where they get that fourth guy. If, if they're looking for a cheap internal option, the best the best shot is Josh Uche. He, in limited snaps, he has looked really, really good over the years. It just seems like he can never stay healthy and on the field. Um, if he could, he would be perfect for that role. You, you could bring him off the opposite edge. He, he knows how to drop back in coverage. He knows how to roast the passer. He, he's kind of a do-it-all outside linebacker. He can even play inside a little bit naturally. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of options there um, with what they can do for that fourth D-line spot. But, yeah, they, they need to figure out their their other spots as well on, on the defensive side of the ball. But it was nice to see them get some foundational pieces in there and build towards the future of this defense. Now they just need to continue to do that and start to phase out the older guys, like you guys said. Yeah. They, need, they need guys like – and I don't know if they'll ever figure it out, but Uche needs to figure out his health so that he can get on the field and be productive. Chase Winovich needs to become something of value to this team other than just a third down pass rusher. And one guy we should look for in training camp next year that is became an afterthought this past training camp was uh, Arfani Simmons. The guy out of Alabama they drafted in, I think, the fourth round, who came Jennings. in a little bit. Yeah. Jen- Anthony Jennings. 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 I don't know why I keep thinking his last he, name is Simmons. Anthony Simons is a basketball player for the Portland Trailblazers. That's okay. why. God damn it. Anyway, that Not guy. A basketball pod. Fending. But uh, came into training camp a little out of shape and then ended up going on season-ending IR before he could even get going. I mean, you're drafting him in the middle rounds. Uh, I would presume they've got a plan for him. They want him to be uh, a focal point eventually. So that could be an internal option to help uh, bring more youth and uh, playmaking ability to the linebacking core. But that remains to be seen because that's another guy that Belichick drafts that's got injury issues right off the bat. Yeah, and, uh, you know, that's that's a frustrating thing is, I mean, some of these picks Belichick really hits on, like Mac, Barmore, and Maundra this year, but then there, there are just some years where he just misses in key rounds. I think Jennings was a relatively high selection. Third round. So, 
third. Yeah, I mean, you, you really need to to have a productive draft class. You got to hit on three of your first four picks, and you can afford to miss on a third rounder like they did this year when one, two, and four hit. But I think they missed on the picks. For, I, I forget what year Jennings was drafted. Was that 2019? 2020. The uh, uh, it was 2020. Who was it? Who did they take in the 2020 draft? That was the Duggar draft, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, they got Duggar and Uche. So, I mean, I guess in theory, it's it's okay that they missed on that. But, you know, I, ideally, a guy like that hits. You, you don't want to be missed on your third round picks. That's the point. I mean, I mean there's some very productive guys that you can get in the third, fourth round of Yeah. Of if, you, if, you, if, you, if you're smart about it, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's always value to be had. It's just knowing where to find it and uh, capitalizing. That's why scouting has just become so, so, so critical these days. And that's why you've got people like uh, what's uh, your friend uh, that you've brought on for draft analysis, Mike? Or, uh, Tommy, Mc- Tommy McCormick. That's why you have people like that that are in the business that just go over film and film and film. And I don't even know if he gets paid to do it but he does it because he just wants to be in the know. And it's because it's such a critical skill to have is, is being able to evaluate talent. And so uh, the, the Patriots need to start hitting a little bit more on it. I'm not saying they haven't necessarily hit, but they need to stop drafting guys like of the likes of like Dominique easily. And yeah, uh, the like where they're just injured right off the bat. And then they just never pan out. They never because they never really had a chance to get going. Like Nikhil Harry gets injured right off the bat, stunts his development, and never becomes a focal point in the offense. Whether it's because he never was really all that talented to begin with, or he just never had a chance to really the system. I don't know. But you would have liked to think that some of these guys would have figured it out by now. And instead, they've either moved on or they've found themselves sitting at the bottom of the totem pole in their position group. Yeah. Well, they've had a pretty good track record at least the last two years. Uh, they're on a hot streak, finding some finding some good talent. Um, but looking looking forward to next year. Um, outside, we don't know what they're going to do in the draft, but just the team as is right now. What do you guys predict that this team uh, finishes next year? Hmm. Nine well, and eight. Hmm. You think that's a playoff berth, Mike, or not? Or not? Not enough. It's close. I I don't know. Honestly, it's there's so much that still has time to change. Like not knowing, you know, if JC is going to be back, if Hightower is going to be back, if, if McCordy will retire, cause he's getting up there. Like it, you know, right now, assuming that some guys will be back, some key guys won't, I, I would say that, you know, they're not going to have a ton of major changes. They'll have some guys brought back and some key guys will leave or retire or whatever, but I would assume they will be around the same record as this year. Um, Maybe they're a seven seed or maybe they just miss out, but I I think maybe another first round exit is in the cards for them. They're they look like they're a couple of years away from competing with like the Chiefs, the Bengals, and the Bills. Well, 
let me run you the list of opponents. Obviously, things can change in the offseason. Injuries, uh, trades, free agent moves. But on the surface, next year, they have to go to Arizona, to Buffalo, to Green Bay, to Minnesota, to Las Vegas, to Miami. I mean, those are some daunting tasks. Uh, Some of those less than others. And then you have Cincy, Buffalo, Baltimore, Indy at home. Like, there's a lot of tough games there. Uh, so I, I I would be tough to, to say that they're going to get back to 10 wins. Uh, I don't – it's so tough. I, I just on first glance – Looking at the list of opponents, I would almost say eight and eight and nine. Yeah, um, without even looking at the yeah, I was somewhere in the seven and ten, eight and nine range. I think it's gonna take a couple of years to really um, rebuild the defense to where they want it to be at. Um, uh, yeah, I guess in Max, so what, two to three years, mm-hmm. that's going to be their – once Max been in the year, been in the league a few years, they've had time to – couple drafts to get the defense reset. And who knows what the offense is even going to look like at that point um, yeah. with a lot of different guys moving on whatnot. But the, – The thing with this year was they just – a lot of their wins were against non-playoff teams. Like, mm-hmm. I think uh, eight of their ten wins were against non-playoff teams. Like, you don't have Jacksonville on the schedule next year. You don't have an Atlanta or a Carolina or a Houston. Houston. Like, yeah. you're not going to get those cupcakes next year. Like, yeah, you're still going to get the Jets twice, and yeah, you're going to get a a uh, matchup with Detroit and Chicago and Pittsburgh probably take a, a big step back unless they hit big on quarter or quarterback. Um, so there are some winnable games for sure, yeah. but there's a lot of games on, on the pr- prospective schedule next year that look like uh, at very daunting challenges at the very least. And Considering they had immense trouble with that this year, uh, I, I, I'm hard-pressed to think that they'll start winning a bunch of those next year. So I, I think they're going to be right around 500 next year, somewhere around there, 8, 9, 9, and 8. Yeah, within a game either way. I mean, <laughs> you got to beat the Dolphins too. <laughs> I, that just yeah. that just can't happen like <laughs> all right you, we we know we know my, Miami going into Miami end of the season that's a house of horrors some people tried to say it was a Brady thing guess what it's not it's a Patriots and a Bill Belichick thing at, at the very least but they didn't even win in the season opener against Miami that's what that's what stunk the most because Mac mm-hmm. looked good in that game we were there we saw it in person Z yeah like they look good Harris. And then they they kind of fumbled it away, but yeah. like they they've got a they got a not only are they going to have to take care of business against the, the teams that are quote unquote worse than them, but they're going to have to beat some teams that are 
more or less better than them. And they didn't show very well in those situations this year because the only two playoff teams they beat were Tennessee and Buffalo. And Tennessee had no Derrick Henry and a a mess of a banged-up Titans team. And the game they beat Buffalo, we all remember that game was a winter weatherland of just absolute screwy nonsense. So... I mean, they they really, when they had a chance to beat playoff teams that were fully healthy, they lost pretty much the entire time. Yeah. I mean, the Indy one yeah. coming out of the break was a was a real, uh, real hard call. one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just to get, just pump like Carson Wentz is just, it's tough. Carson, Carson Wentz had 52 passing yards that game. And you lost 27-17 because you let Jonathan Taylor run for 170 yards. I mean, 70 of which he got on one play. Yeah, but it's still like that. And we can maybe we can segue into this now. Like after the bye week, the run defense just disappeared. Absolutely vanished. Like we talked about how like the defensive line was kind of like the stalwart of of the unit for the majority of the season but they disappeared when it came to run defense uh when it mattered most and uh that i'm not saying i'm not gonna try and say that like the last four or five games or should like make should that's how we should be judging them off of because they dominated those first 13 weeks but that the fact that when push came to shove they were in a position where they at one point were the number one seed in the AFC going into that bye week. And they just, the defense starts to crumble when it mattered most. And we had seen that a little bit in certain plays earlier on in the season during that initial two and four stretch where they would always bend and they wouldn't entirely break, but they'd break without by not getting the stop they needed at the end of the game. Um, but then to see the run defense just eviscerated uh, down the stretch was just not what I expected coming out of the bye week. And uh, ho- hopefully that's not a harbinger that doesn't carry over into next year. Yeah, I mean, this yeah, defense be- with and without Matt, Matt Judon uh, playing at a high level is just – it was night and day. Yep. Um, him putting pressure on and getting sacks versus him after the bye – uh, that that's all you need really need to see was without, without him, they were screwed getting pressure on the quarterback without blitzing. And they tried to blitz uh, the quarterbacks they're facing were playoff caliber quarterbacks who just picked them apart. Uh, if you're going to blitz guys, you got to get home or else your cornerbacks, which aren't great to begin with, are just going to get dusted. And that, that was the case. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, kind of like you said, it. the defense really ran through Judon, and once he stopped going, the defense stopped going. He he made all the difference for them this year. The, the team that we saw heading into the five versus the team that we saw coming out of it, 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 it was like night and day. And, I mean, hopefully they play more like the team that was there before the bye, but that team is also taking advantage of a piss-poor schedule, and they're not going to have that next year, as we pointed out. So, 
next year will be a real telltale sign depending on how this roster looks of whether or not all these signings are worth it because now they don't have the first year excuse they've all been integrated they'll all you know be familiar with the patriot way and belichick's style of coaching and everything else so time will time will tell and their upcoming decisions will be interesting definitely uh lots of decisions to be made we got the draft coming up we got free agency uh got coaches moving all around so lots more to talk about coming soon uh hopefully it should be a fun off season for the pats more recently we got the super bowl coming up which should be fun we get quick picks on on the super bowl what do you guys think Bengals, rams who you got Rams. Rams. I, I got the Rams. It's home team. Staffers you know, time. It, I mean, listen, playing playing football in Detroit for 10 years is like serving a sentence in hell. And like he finally got out of hell and now it's time to rise into heaven. Like that's that that's kind of the way I view this. Joe, Joey B is gonna get his one day. You know, Joey Burr, Ice Joe, whatever you want to call him. He, he's he's as cool as it gets, he's as clutch as it gets. He's probably the most likable star in the entire league. I, I heard someone say it the other day and I agree. Like, I don't know that I've ever heard anyone say, I don't like Joe Burrow. He's got a good story rising from the, the no name backup QB. At least that's what he was projected to be to, you know, the, the LSU year to now what he is, but you know, St- Stafford has been through, through hell playing for the Lions for as long as he did. And the games in LA, you know, that like every star under the sun is going to be out and, I, I just think that they have more guys like Odell and Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup who have been around longer than than some of the Bengals players and who want it more than than they do right now. And I think with two evenly matched teams, that's going to be the difference is who's been around longer and who wants it more. I uh, I'm gonna save my pick for my pod, but I will say this. I think the winner will win by two scores, two touchdowns. Whoa. Sneak preview um, of Ryan's pod. Um, There's going to be talk about a gorilla at some point. I don't know when, but there's going to be talk about a gorilla at some point. And that's going to, I have a funny feeling that will factor into the pick, not trying to spoil it, but you know, there's going to be a gorilla. Also sneak preview, whatever Ryan's pick is, I will take the points. Give me plus 14 on whoever that is. I will take it. But I, for this, I, I really just want Evan McPherson to hit a game winning uh, <laughs> field goal. Cause that guy is the fucking man. <laughs> and him, him saying, Oh, it looks like we're going to the AC championship game before he even kicks a 52 yard field goal <laughs> is just uh, abs- absurd. Nails. Uh, and, and he's a Gator. So, you know, go Gators. Uh, but big SEC all around Gators, you know, Joey Burr, even though he considers himself a Buckeye for some reason and Georgia, Georgia, Matt. So, uh, go McPherson. That's all I got. Uh, go check out, uh, fixing the talk sports to get Ryan's pick plus my bet, whatever I bet him on that game, plus my 14 (laughs) points. And for Mike and Daddy Danny, Drinky Danny, uh, this has been Foxborough Files. Thanks for ha- thanks for being here, boys. Go Duke. Fuck Duke. Oh.